Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the second sermon in our church's Living for God's Kingdom series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. My name is Chris Stallings. It's a privilege to be in the worship service today. And Matt, will you hit the uh, sermon lights for us? There we go. All right, now I can see y'all. Good to see y'all in church today. We're in a series that we're covering through the month of October that deals a little bit with the reality that there is evil in the world, that the devil is real, and that our journey in following Jesus means we have to live out our faith, even be proactive in resisting that evil and not dabbling with it. Because in the month of October, there's some fun and candy, amen, but there's also some some evil that gets glorified. And even maybe we're tempted to delve into that a bit, even to dabble in the demonic. And so this series, we're going to look at ways that we can continue to live into following Jesus and resist that. Our series key verse comes from Ephesians 6, verse 12. And it reads, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so today we continue our series, Living for God's Kingdom, Take Out the Garbage. Y'all see that image on the screen? Isn't that just, we take out the garbage already, right? (laughs) Does your garbage at your house ever overflow? Like nobody wants to take it out. Well, let me ask this question. Do you enjoy the scary parts of Halloween? Anybody? A couple of you, not many of y'all. Anybody go intentionally to be scared at a haunted house? We got a few of those, right? Anybody gone to one or going to one this month? Got some of those. Got some suckers, I think, in our youth group that are going tonight, right? Well, I can remember growing up like, I don't go to those anymore. Let's like, I learned my lesson. Growing up, you go to them. This was back whenever they didn't take out the chain of the chainsaw and jump out at you. It was still right, you know. It was like, you know, it was pretty scary. And what I learned is that those scary moments not only scared that night, but they stuck with me at least, right? The next night, I'd wake up in the middle of the night hearing the chainsaw roar. And so in that regard, haunted houses are a pretty good value, Right? You get good scare for your money. Buy one, get 10 nights free, right? Of just the horrors and the nightmares sticking with you. And when I was growing up, though, that wasn't the most scary or thing I feared the most, anyway. The thing I feared the most, or one of the things I feared the most, was the dreaded household chore. Anybody else remember chores? They're scary. I don't know if you were scared by these, but you said, hey, your chore is to take out the trash, or your chore is to mow the grass, or your chore is to do the dishes, or your chore is to whatever. And the one I dreaded most, anybody else with me? Clean your room. Ha! 
It felt like the greatest punishment. And the worst part of it was, it's all you all doing, right? It's like if you just, anyway. And so my parents, when I was growing up, they both worked. And so their energy for enforcing the discipline of the chores was pretty low by the end of the day, right? You, parents come home, they're tired, and you're just kind of like, well, if they don't mention it, I'm not going to mention it, right? And if they're tired and just want to relax, and sometimes it would go days or weeks or months before I'd clean my room. And it almost got to the point where it was only out of sheer anger or frustration. My mom would say, go clean your room, right? Anybody... And I get in there, oh my goodness, it was no longer a chore, but a monumental project, right? A day long, or maybe two day long, or maybe like we got one of these holiday weeks where we got several days off of school. That is usually when my mom's like, all right, you can get it done now. And I go in there, there'd be mounds of clothes. I don't know if they were clean or dirty, and you had to sort through them. There'd be mounds of toys. Had to sort through and put them up. And here's how my body reacted to that. I don't know if I was born with this or developed it as an aversion to cleaning my room, but I had a dust allergy. You know these things? Like whenever you stir up the dust from cleaning, it made me sneeze and eyes water. And so that just made it ten times worse. And so I was miserable the whole time. In fact, I developed a strategy that it's easier to move than to clean your room, right? Anybody got some of those? Well, procrastination, procrastination in cleaning is not uncommon. In fact, one recent study found that an estimated 14 million Americans are compulsive hoarders, right? Y'all know this? Have y'all ever watched that show? Hoarding. Oh my goodness, it's like torture to watch that. I mean, that's the scariest thing, seeing all that stuff piled up. And one of the drivers to hoarding is the anxiety one feels in deciding, do I keep something or do I discard it? And that anxiety is so high, it's easier just to keep everything, no matter how much of it you keep. Even from the, the worthless things to the most valuable things, they all blend together. In fact, in the United States, it is part of what drives an industry of self-storage to be a $38 billion annual rental fees. Right? $38 billion we spend just to store all the stuff we don't want to throw away. So in our life, what is worth keeping? Right? Do you feel anxiety about having to throw stuff away? having to get rid of stuff, have to leave stuff behind. It's not just in our stuff or our junk, but also in our faith journey. In fact, there's times whenever we're called to leave behind some of the stuff, right? The things we used to do, maybe the lifestyle, but even some of the stuff we've once thought was good, Jesus' followers are to leave behind. It is now trash to us. And so we're going to look at some of the guidance for that from the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. So if you got your Bible, I invite you to turn it on or to open it up to Philippians chapter 3. We've looked at this book for a couple of weeks. Philippians was originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. 
It was a church he founded about 10 years before writing this letter. But now he finds himself, or at the time of writing the letter, he found himself in a prison cell in Rome. And he's writing to them in around 60 AD. He starts out by writing a kind of encouragement, I'm still alive, right? Hey, I'm here. <laughs> and then encouraging them to sustain in their faith even when they endure suffering. And then last week we looked at what that means to our life is not to just survive through the suffering, but to even thrive in our faith by taking on the mind of Christ. And now in chapter 3, Paul is going to redouble down how we can thrive or how we can live into Christ even in the midst of opposition. This time, the opposition was from within. Or so it seems. Some of the Christians in the church, or maybe loosely affiliated with church, were persecuting those that didn't do the way they wanted it done. They brought in some of the old customs and tradition of the Jewish faith that had been incorporated into their worship. And Paul's like, we don't need to do all that, especially for those that are now coming to faith. Paul reckoned in his own life with some of those things he had to give up or leave behind from his old tradition as he came to faith and follow Jesus. Let's look now at Philippians chapter 3. We'll begin reading in the second part of verse 4 and read down through verse 14. I'm reading the New Living Translation or NLT if you'd like to switch to that version and follow along word for word. The words should also be on the screens above me. Philippians 3, second part of verse 4. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became, or become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him and sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, 
Thanks be to God. Well, in verse 8, Paul <laughs> declares his own life to have once been very cluttered, even with some of the, the good things he thought were essential, things he thought were good to his faith, even that he thought were worshipful to God. But then when he encountered Christ Jesus, Whenever he was saved or experienced salvation, he realized it's all through Christ, not in those works or ceremonial ways of following God. In other words, Paul said, I got to get rid of some of the trash in my life, even those things I once thought were good. It may be easy for someone who had a miserable life or what we think might have been a miserable life to say, I'll give it all up to follow Jesus. Somebody might retort and say, yeah, but you didn't have much to begin with, right? If somebody's lived their lives in evil and sin, you say, well, sure. But Paul was the, let's say, the opposite of that. He had done everything that you could do to check the box on how he thought to follow God. In fact, so much so that he joined with others in protesting against Jesus, thinking he was a blasphemer. Even joining with those that had executed Jesus, and Paul began to persecute the church. When he encountered God, he says, that's no longer the way. The New Interpreter's Bible Commentary says, those who mock privilege are usually people who themselves do not have any Paul's point is that he has willingly abandoned those things that he had, but now no longer values. A sinner might go to God and negotiate, saying, God, if you'll give me the whole world, I'll take Jesus. And God responds, says, I'll give you all of Jesus if you will give up the world. Let's look at now how we might give up even those things we once thought were valuable that now are garbage to our faith. If you got your worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out. If you texted here to click on that link, the second one that will open up the worship guide online. And follow along with these points, note these scripture passages. Make notes that might help you apply them in your life. Number one, take out the garbage that once seemed useful, that once seemed useful. Verse 5 reads, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. You see, Paul is saying these are all the things that these were my trophy case, right? Circumcised on the eighth day meant he was absolutely born into the race of the Hebrews, into the religion of the Hebrews. He was not some Johnny-come-lately that was a convert as an adult and grafted in. He was like, I've been here from the beginning. A tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, you may recall, in the 12 sons of Jacob, Benjamin was one of his favorites. It's reported that even the tribe of Benjamin stayed loyal to the house of David throughout. And so, in his mind, I'm from the best of the best, right? Even I was a part of the Pharisees, those who were strict 
in their adherence to the law. In fact, they adopted, the sect of the Pharisees adopted this stance that everyone should fully live into the purity standards of temple worship all the time. So that they'd always be prepared. And so washing your hands and doing all the stuff that would be preparing you for holiness all of the time. Paul says, all that's now worthless. I invested all that time, all that energy. It's worthless because of what Christ has done. I tended to do that, but not in my faith as much as my home. There was a time when I once had more money and had a home with a basement. And I said, I'm going to get everything I can to make my home the best. Anybody do this? You'd go to the home warehouse on Saturday and say, ooh, I wonder what tool I can buy today. <laughs> oh, they've got some good tools. Y'all remember that Tim, the tool man, Taylor, back like 20 years ago? Arr, arr, arr. I'd go in there and come out grunting with a cartload full of tools or project supplies with all the vision. Oh, this is how it's going to make my home and life so much better. Arr, arr, arr. And bring it home and back the truck up to the basement doors and unload it all. And had no time to do it. <laughs> right? And it would sit. And so I'd have to go back next week and get shelves to store it on. To give it a place to sit. And we'd have to spend days rearranging the basement. Be able to get to it all as it sat. And what I found out. Because at some point we did move. <laughs> I wound up only using about a third of all that stuff I bought. The other two-thirds when we moved. I realized U-Haul trucks only come in so big, <laughs> you know, that we had to sell some of it. No, not that one. We had to donate some of it to Goodwill to the point where they said, don't bring any more of that. We can't take it. And then... Either give it away to neighbors or even put some of it in the dump. <sighs> Paul's saying we can do that in our faith. We can build up or accumulate things that we think are so valuable that seem like they're good. That's a good tool. That's a good thing. But when we start following Jesus and we make him and live all of our life for him, we have to put away some of those things we once thought valuable. You, maybe like me, you tend to put value in things that at some point will be useless. Things that you may think give you power. Maybe you put your trust in guns or in politics or in accumulated wealth. And even to some extent in your faith journey, like you may put your trust in, well, I've been coming to this church the longest of anybody. Right? Or I'm pretty sure they're about ready to put my name on the building. Or daddy's or mama's or something, right? And so we have to know there are things that may be perceived valuable at one time that when we truly and wholly follow Jesus, the name above all names, we start to put aside those things that once seemed useful that now are no longer. Take out the garbage that once seemed useful. Number two, take out the garbage that has no value 
now. Paul didn't throw off the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, right? Have y'all heard that saying? Does anybody still say that? I don't know where that comes from. I never was tempted to throw off the baby with the bathwater. But anyway, he didn't say, throw away God, throw away Christ. He said, throw away those things that are now no longer useful. In other words, the ceremonial law, the you work to get God's favor is not necessary. Paul draws a big contrast from that list of things people were doing to following Jesus. He says that list of stuff is no longer of any value. In fact, it's worthless. The New Interpreter's Bible Commentary says, it's easy for us to think about the positive or the steps we need to do in our faith. Like an acceptance of God's grace an acceptance of God's forgiveness. But there's sometimes we forget the renunciation part of faith. At Paul's conversion, he renounced his reliance on the law. Right? For sure, you need to renounce the sinful parts of your life. But you also need to renounce the things where you're saying, well, I'm good enough or I've done enough to deserve God's love. The problem was not that the law was evil, but rather that the good could be the enemy of the best. Have you heard that idiom that says, one man's trash is another man's treasure? Right? You've experienced that. You're like, I don't need this anymore. Somebody come up and say, oh, I'll give you $100, you know, something you're throwing away. Or maybe you've experienced that where they're just like, I just want it gone. And you're like, I'll take it, Right? Well, the opposite of this is now true. My former treasure, I now call my trash. Right? The stuff that I once thought was treasure, I invest everything in, now I call trash. This echoes what Jesus taught in Matthew 13 in the, what's called the parable of the pearl, where Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like the pearl that once the man found it, he went and sold all his possessions to be able to buy and attain that valuable thing. And in Matthew 16, where Jesus taught, it says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more in your soul. In other words, you must know the truly valuable things to which you must hold on to and then be able to distinguish them from the now worthless things that you must give up. Those worthless things will hinder and clutter your faith. In fact, they will keep you from God's best in your life. So take out the garbage that has no value now. Number three, take out the garbage to make room for greatness. Take out the garbage to make room for greatness. Verses 10 and 11 read, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The Bible commentary says that Christ's resurrection is described elsewhere as a result of the divine power. Here it is seen as the source of power in the lives of believers. You see, whenever you keep the trash in your life, 
no matter how seemingly valuable it once was, it hinders the work of Christ's power in you. But when you take out the trash and you replace it with more of Christ's power in you, then you are fully living for Christ. The resurrection power of Christ is living in and through you, and you begin to be a part of his greatness. This question is for those that are, well, roughly my age or older. Do y'all remember a time when you had a TV in the living room or family room that was this fancy piece of furniture that had this built into this wood cabinet, right? Like it was beautiful oak and it was like the, the furniture part around the TV was worth more than the TV, right? It was the best piece of furniture in the living room. You're proud of having that thing. It sat on the floor and it was, oh, it was beautiful. When you're a little kid, you'd sit down right in front of it too, right? And they'd say, don't get too close to the TV. I don't know what it'd do to you. All right, so those that remember that, do you remember at some point that TV quit? Right? Wore out. They lasted a lot longer, but it eventually wore out. The tube broke or electronics or something. And so you needed a new TV. And if you're like my family, what we did is we went and bought one of the new ones, which were portable TVs or plastic case. And we brought it home and we just set it down on top of the old cabinet TV. Y'all remember this? Right? And so they weren't so big and it kind of made a nice stand for it. Kept that beautiful piece of wood furniture in there. It was old TV. Then the new one could exist in there. They could coexist and do fine. Well, at some point, I'm telling my age, that TV broke. <laughs> right? Because they quit making them as good. It might have just been a few years later. When that came, they had introduced these new TVs called high-definition TVs. Oh, that was some good TV, right? Because it went from being like a little tiny to being big and super clear. Well, what we had to do when that came along is there wasn't room. Because they were like 50, 60, 70 inches now. There wasn't room to keep the old TV or the, the cabinet that it set on. We had to get rid of the cabinet. Had to get rid of the old portable TV and get them all. And then put the beloved high-definition TV. Anybody just sit and watch it? Oh. It's so good. Picture quality, color, brightness. It's huge. You can lean your recliner all the way back. You don't need to sit on the floor. You can lay back in your recliner and still see that thing. The truth is, you didn't have room for the junk whenever you got the good stuff. Right? You didn't mind throwing it out because you knew this was a lot better than either of those old ones. It's like that with Christ. If you keep accumulating the junk, the spiritual junk, you're going to miss the good or the greatness of Christ because there's not room for him in your life. But when you clean out that old junk, there's room for the high-definition life or greatness of Christ. Paul illustrates that I'm not there yet. My life is not 100% high-definition yet. He kind of recurs this theme of contrast. I'm not great yet, not perfect or resurrected yet, not entirely sanctified or glorified, but I know that one day I will be, and so I keep making room for Christ in my life so that his greatness will unfold. An opportunity for that to occur, and the promise of that is for those of us who will take out the garbage to take out the trash and make room for the greatness of Christ. Let's pray.
God, thank you so much for the blessing of Jesus, for the hope we have in following him. God, I pray that in us, in us right now, you'll begin discovering or helping us to discover the areas where we've let trash accumulated. For sure, those areas that are sinful for which we need to repent. And God, for those areas upon reliance of anything but you, where we need to renounce our alliance on ourselves, renounce our alliance on anything we would do. And solely and wholly embrace you. That we may be inheritors of your greatness. I pray this in the powerful and holy and resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.